Ooh, ooh. Some scary monsters there. Has anybody seen that movie before? Return of the King, Lord of the Rings, Tolkien story. It's a beautiful, just the imagery there of good and evil and this, this scene of, of war. We know about war, don't we? I mean, we've seen it the last few years. We've seen wars in Iraq and in Afghanistan. We've seen fighting around the globe. Has anyone just, anyone, has anyone served in the military this, this morning? Just by raising your hands, uh, we'd just like to... See, just want to honor you this morning. We are, are very fortunate, and we think about that this week, but uh, we should think about it all the time, the fact that God has, has given us this place to live. But we've, we've seen these wars. We've seen it on TV. We've declared war on several other things. We've seen it, uh, we're declaring war on terrorism and on drugs, and on, on poverty, on, on, on things that we should be warring against. We know all about war at home as well. We've, uh, we've played video games with them. Do you realize how big the video game industry has gotten? In the last uh, few years, it has just blown up, where you can actually have wars in your home as you're, you're on a TV screen, and you're fighting and killing people. Uh, the uh, biggest selling game of all time, does anyone know what that is? World of Warcraft. War, that's as far as grossing. As far as the, the, the most games ever sold, it's not Pac-Man, it's, uh, it's Black Ops. This, uh, this game where you're basically fighting and killing people. You can kill zombies, you can kill Nazis, you can kill anybody on a video screen these days. And it seems like everyone is, is plugged in. We, we know about war. We, we've seen it as well in our own country and in, in politics, especially in the last decade, where States are divided, red states and, and, and blue states. We, we see it at the movie theater. This, uh, re just recently, I'm, I'm trying to sell my son on the, the best trilogy of all time, Star Wars. I'm trying to get him just connected so I can watch the movies again. But that's just this good versus evil, the force versus the dark side. And, and I, I love those, those, those movies. We see it on the football field as well where uh, teams are divided and, and loyalties are, are pretty uh, hardcore, from Texas A&M to Texas to, we know about that here, don't we? LSU and Alabama, they've had some wars. Well, not many. They're pretty one-sided wars lately, haven't they been, Don? Uh, but, uh, but wars on the football field. I mean, the, these battles, we know about that. Have you ever been in a fight before? Like a physical fight before? Have you? Uh, I'm going to confess to you. I know this is going to shock you because, you know, you look at me and I'm like, man, that guy, he's, he could defend himself. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I have never been in a fight in my entire life. I have never hit anyone with these, you know, fists of steel in my entire I have it. The closest I've ever come, one time, Kyle Bowers, we got into this Your Mom is So Fat uh, competition there, and it got a little out of, you know, you remember those jokes, uh, it got a little out of hand, and, and we almost came to blows, almost. So let me ask you, if you, have you, have you gotten into a fight before? I want you to turn to your neighbor, I want you to think of the most like, vivid fight in your mind, tell your neighbor about that fight, physical fight in your life. Share with your neighbor right now. It's okay, there's grace in the room.
All right. Now I want you to do something, all right? We're going to, you've been sitting down, I want you to stand up, all right? I want you to stand up. Now, the most experience I've had with fighting uh, comes from uh, P90X videos. Uh, you've got the, you know, you got the different, like, you know, moves that have you jumping. I want you to just kind of, you know, you see fighters are doing this. If you have the ability this morning, can, I, can you just jump around a little bit with me, all right? A little jumping, all right? You got your jab. Please do not hit your neighbor. Please not, just, you know, work. I do know this is this, this the jab. You got the... The cross, and, and then you have the, uh, was this the, up, the uppercuts? Yep, Tony Horton taught me that. Uh, you got that? Uh, let's see, some, yeah, let's see some, some moves. Let's see your moves. All right. All right, you can sit down. Now, I've never been into a, a physical fight before, but I got to tell you, I've been in a battle I've been in a war all of my life that I can think of. And, and that's the scene we have in Galatians chapter 5. There, there's a war going on. And so if you would, grab your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 13. If you haven't been with us, we've been in this series about freedom. We've talked about how grace has, has, has overcome and that we have grace in our lives. Uh, Pastor Michelle did an awesome job last week of reminding us of, I heard the podcast, it was great. Yeah. She reminded us about how, what our true identity is in, in Christ, that we are children of the one true King, that those labels that we've put on ourselves, we can take those things off and we can put a new label on. And that's the one that, that God has given us. And we're thankful for that this morning. Uh, as we get into chapter 5, uh, Paul gets pretty serious. And so let's, let's read that together. It starts with, with verse 13. It says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in, in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of the, of the sinful nature. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are, under, are directed by the Spirit, you are no longer obligated by the law of Moses. There is a war going on. There's a war going on inside. It's going on inside of us. And there's two sides. And Paul wants to make it very clear. He is, he is drawing a line in the sand. On one side, we have this, the flesh, as some of your versions would say, or the sinful nature. That is that thing inside of us that we all possess, that wants to do evil. It was given to us in the very beginning, in Adam and Eve in the garden, when they took the fruit, they knew they shouldn't eat, they took a bite. And so we are given this, this inherent desire to do evil, to do wrong. You see it in the faces even of little kids. My son, when he was not even two years old, he comes to me and he has chocolate dripping off of his face. It's off of his nose. I can see like a little a drip there. 
He knows he's not supposed to get into the chocolate. We've told him this several times. He's, and I, I go and say, Noah, did you, find, did, did you eat some chocolate syrup? No, Daddy. No, Daddy. <laughs> it, it's that thing inside of us that, that, just, that just wants to do bad. I mean, do, do you feel that? Do you sense that? We're in, I know we're in church today, but, but there's something in, inside of us that's there. I was uh, a valet before I became a, a pastor. That was my last job. Valeting cars is an awesome job because you get to drive nice, very nice cars. And if you've seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that happens. Uh, so driving nice cars and uh, getting paid to do it, it's, it's pretty great. And I worked for Central Parking in Nashville, and they own all these parking lots. And basically we would, we have tickets. And we take a ticket and you put it in a car, you take someone's keys, or you go park their car. They have the ticket in the car, so they're good to go in the parking lots that we, we have. And, we, and we, we go and bring their car up. It's pretty simple stuff. Uh, but uh, one night I was working, and we were very close to the arena there in Nashville the, where the Predators play. And on game nights, the city just explodes with people. There's thousands of people down there. And so as I'm, I'm, I'm taking cars back and forth, uh, I noticed that a few of my, my, my friends that I'm working with, like two or three guys that we work with every night, I'm not seeing them as much. They're, they've kind of disappeared. And uh, at the end of the night, we go to divide up our tips, and they have tons of cash. I mean, usually, I mean, pretty good gig. I'm not going to lie. Pretty good gig as far as the money. But this night, they have even more money. And I began to kind of so what, what happened? Did you get just a huge, sometimes we get like a $50 tip. Did you get a huge tip? No, no, we, we found another way to make money. Oh, really? Uh, I was obviously curious. I'm college. I'm eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches and ramen noodles. Uh, yes, tell me how you make this, this thing called money. Uh, and so they said, you know what? We were, we were going down the street, and there was somebody that just needed a place to park. And so we took a ticket out. They handed us money. We put the ticket in the car. And we park their car. They get to park, they, they get a place to park, and you get a little extra money. And everyone's good. It's like, well, that's not a, well, they get what they need. And, and w there's no one to work in those parking lots. And so I don't see anything. This is not a bad idea. And so I, I have all these tickets in my, my pocket. And I, as I'm parking cars, some, you know, I just see someone looking for a parking spot. Ticket in, in, in hand, put it on car, take their money. I'm not valeting, I'm just, I'm just basically stealing. And then suddenly, uh, I kind of started getting convicted about this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in ministry classes, actually. <laughs> I'm studying to be a pastor. But you know, when you're in the middle of stuff, you're like, I don't want to see what the big deal is here. You know what? You're getting to park. Everyone's Okay. Boss comes in, and I just kind of was thinking about this, and then, you know what, what would happen, you know, boss was pretty cool, only a few years older, what would happen if, 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 if someone were to, you know, say, do this? Well, that's obviously stealing, uh, so they would probably be fired. Do you know someone that's doing that? Uh, no. And so at that point, there was that moment where like, what am I doing? I, I am stealing. I am a thief. I am stealing money. But I'd like to, to tell you this morning, they, I, I just didn't do it from then on. But there were moments where I had ticket in hand where someone would come up to me and they would say, 
I, can you help me out? I need to park my car. Aren't you? Don't you have the little central parking on my jack? And so I had this moment. I knew what was, I knew it was wrong. And I did it anyway. I did it anyway. I don't, I don't know if you have those things in your life. I, praise the Lord, it's under the blood. I eventually stopped doing that. I felt God convicted me and I, and I stopped. But there are things in our life there that were our weaknesses. That, that Satan, that the enemy knows about. We have an enemy. That is our, our sinful nature inside of us. And there are things that we, we do. And, and Paul even describes it in Romans, that why do I do the thing that I know that I'm not, I don't, I don't want to do this, but I do it anyway. And, 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 and he's given us this picture. There's these back and forth that, that happens. The sinful nature that is inside of us. On the other side is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is no wimp. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, it says that we have the Spirit of God, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That Spirit lives, God gave us this Spirit to fight against sin, to fight the, the enemy. He gave us the Spirit to encourage us, to lead us, to guide us, to convict us. So there is this, this battle that's going on, that's happening. And you know about that battle. You've experienced that firsthand in your, your own heart and your own life. And, and Paul, he wants to make it super clear to the people that, that, that this is happening. And, and, and something that was, it was going on, as Paul is preaching grace, because we're people of grace, and, and here's the worry always with grace, is that we, we talk about grace. Paul is telling the people it's not about what you can do, but what God has done for us. We've been talking about this the last three or four weeks. And as we focus on grace, there's something that, that pops up. This, this idea. It, I kind of expressed in my friend, uh, Jeffrey, who I, I used to live with. He was not Jeffrey Johnson, but a, a roommate that I had when I was just out of school. He was, he was from a different church, and he would pray every single time we came together for a meal. The prayer was pretty simple. I mean, it was barbecue or McDonald's or whatever it was. It was basically, Lord, thank you for this food. And basically, please forgive me of all my sins. And so there was a mentality, this idea that, you know what? I can just do whatever that I want to do and then just ask for forgiveness. This idea, I can just, you know, live my life whatever way I want to and I can, I can just ask for forgiveness later. And, and, and Paul kind of senses this idea with grace. And if, if you read it in Romans you know, and, and the verse 13, first of all, it says this, My brothers, you are called to be free. Don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Don't go there. Just, and it, it even gets even heavier in, in Romans 6, 1 and 2. He says this, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So Paul is drawing a line in the stand. He's basically saying, we can't live in this sinful world anymore. When I was in Greek class at Treveca, uh, Greek was a difficult class for me. I would find myself very tired in that class. I would usually find the, the largest person I could find. And on one day, the, the specific day that I remember more than any other day, I found Chad Kaminsky to sit by, behind because he was a, a pretty big dude. I found him so I could, I could, I could find some rest, 7.30 in the morning. Dr. Spross is, is going over all these Greek things and, and tenses and everything Greek. And suddenly I hear something that just suddenly perks me up. 
he said the word hell in class. Now, when a college professor or anyone cusses, especially at a campus, you suddenly, what? What did he say? I didn't hear. I was asleep. What did he say? He said, did he say the H word? Uh, the Greek here is the strongest probably words that you can use. When he's saying, should we keep on sinning? There's that phrase, of course not. The Greek here is actually this phrase, me genoita. It's basically saying H to the no. Uh, should we keep on sinning? No. You shouldn't keep on. God has given us grace, but by keep on, by us sinning even more, it's basically, it's cheapening God's grace. In many ways, it's just spitting on it and just not having any respect at all for what God has done for us. That's not how grace works. We don't live this life just to, to say, I'm sorry, and, and, and get off free. I, I, as a kid, I mean, I don't know if you've ever said that before, I, I, or even now. I'll do something, and then after I do it, then I'll ask for forgiveness. I, when I was a, a teenager, my, a rule in my house was, was pretty simple. No rated R movies. I didn't understand that rule. I didn't get that rule when I was that age. And, and all my friends were watching rated R movies. Why can't I go see this? It's not a big deal, Mom. There's a great movie that's coming out. It's Speed. Uh, Sandra Bullock and uh, America's Sweetheart and Keanu Reeves, who's the surfer guy that can't act, uh, they are they're in a bus and they're, they can't stop the bus. What could happen here? They're not, people aren't going to do like fornication in the bus. I mean, Mom, why can't I see this? You can't see this movie? It's, why? It's, it's rated R. And there could be some stuff in there that, that we don't want you to see. You're, you're you know, 16 years old. But, 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 but this is for your, for your good. So, so what do I do? I say, Mom, we're going to the movies. Well, what are you going to see? I'm going to go see another movie. The name of this movie is Maverick. Do you remember that movie with Mel Gibson and somebody else? And they're on this. Anyway, I, never, I didn't see the movie. I went and got a, remember newspapers? A newspaper. I found out what the movie was about. I go to see Speed with my friends. I come home. How was the movie? Oh, it was great. It was this movie about uh, gambling and, uh, you know, it was, it was comedy and it was PG-13, Mom, and it was great. And I give her all the details to lay it out. And basically, I was, the idea was like, you know what? I'm going to tell my mom this little white lie. And then afterwards, God, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't, I'm sorry for doing that. It wasn't a big deal, though. And sometimes we, we live that out in our own lives. We just say, you know what? I, I'll just ask for forgiveness later. Or, you know what? I'm human. I'm human. I mean, nobody's perfect, right? I mean, no, one, no, one, no one's perfect. No, only one person's perfect. That's God. So, you know, there's just some things that I just have. And Michael Jackson even sang about it. Human Nature. Remember that song? I uh, would sing it for you, but that would be frightening. Uh, but it's this idea that we just say, you know, human, it's human nature that I would do this. I, what's the big deal? But Paul is saying something very different here. He's saying, listen, there is a war going on. And in war, there are casualties. There are, there's, there's pain. There's hurt. And this sinful nature versus the spirit is that, that battle that's happening inside. And he's saying, make a decision. Who are you following? Who, whose team are you on? Whose side are you on? 
In 1 Kings chapter 19, there was this story that we rarely talk about. It. It's about Elijah. And he goes, God has told him to go and call Elijah with an S. And uh, he says, you know what, go to Elijah and you're going to anoint him. You're going to call him into ministry. He's going to follow you. So Elijah goes to this field where he finds Elijah. And Elijah's plowing the field with some oxen. And as kind of a, a symbolic gesture, Elijah comes up and he takes off his cloak. And he puts it around Elijah with an S. And he basically is saying this. You are going to follow me. You're going to, you're going to be like me. You're going to you know, basically learn from me, and, and, and then you're going to go and, and be a prophet as well. This, and this symbolic act is what... So Elijah turns to Elijah, and he says, Well, let me go. Let me go and, and kiss my mother and, and father goodbye. Let me say goodbye to them. And Elijah turns to him and says, Basically, what have I done? And, and essentially he's saying, Count the cost before you come and follow me. Before you make a decision, this is, this is for sure. This is a permanent thing. And so he goes in and he, he says goodbye to his parents. Something cool happens. He, he actually goes to the oxen and he takes the plow. This is kind of gross. Uh, he takes the plow and he slaughters up the oxen. He kills them. And he barbecues the, the, the meat up and he passes it out to his neighbors. And he, and he gives it away. So essentially what he's saying, this life that I have lived, I'm not coming back to it. I'm not coming back to this field anymore. We're done, all right? We're done. I, I'm following, and he goes and he follows Elijah. This life is, is, is over. It's sort of like Cortez. Remember the story about Cortez? He's facing the, uh, the Mayans, and he says, you know, as he's getting ready to fight in this huge war, there's only 600 of them against this huge uh, army, and he's trying to, to conquer uh, Mexico. He goes and tells them the very first act is this, go and burn the boats. Go and burn the bird. We're either going to win or we're going to die. We're going to win or we are going to die. That is the imagery. That's what we're seeing here. Right? This is, that's the kind of battle we're talking about here. This is not a, uh, I'm just not a, you know, everyone does it. That's not, he is drawing a line and saying, sin is going to kill you. It is going to kill you. So he, who's winning this war? Who's winning this war in, in your life? And maybe the, the better question is this. How's your heart today? How's, how's your heart? Because that's where the war takes place. It's happening in your heart. It's happening where no one else can see. No one else knows. But you do. And God does. In the Hebrew culture, the heart was everything. They, they could tell that that blood is flowing through our veins, that this heart, it, it sends blood through all throughout your body. And it was, for them, it was the true identity of, of a person. And you see that in, in different Proverbs. In Proverbs 27, 19, it says this, As the water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. In Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Has anyone ever had an angiogram before? Those are, those are pretty cool things. When you're trying to, to diagnose what's happening in the heart, they actually uh, they put a stent in, in your leg and they inject your... I know that I'm getting this wrong, but those in the medical profession just kind of shake your head like this. But they kind of inject this dye in you, and, and you can see very clearly what's happening in the arteries and, and, and around your heart. 
even an untrained eye would be able to see if there was blockage or things that are, are, are going on in the heart. Pretty cool image, isn't it? Uh, but what if we could have a, a spiritual angiogram? And, and so, so Paul gives us a, a list of things. And, and you've got your Bibles. Grab it back to Galatians chapter 5. We like lists sometimes. This is what I call the bad list uh, of things. All right? And so he, he starts to give us this list of things. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the sinful nature is winning. This is what you see. You see uh, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again that anyone who's living this sort of life is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So he gives us this, this list. And it's easy when we look at lists to say, to be kind of the, the finger pointers of saying, this is, this is them, this is that person. I can think of, yeah, he's got a problem with that. But really, this is a list not to be a finger pointer. It's a list to be kind of a, a thumb thumper. <laughs> I just came up with that. But we should be looking at ourselves in this list. And, and, and these lists, is act, they're actually a list of symptoms that kind of give an understanding of what's happening in the heart, of who's Who's winning the battle in your heart? So let's, let's kind of take a look at some of these. The, the, the first uh, three, they all are, are very sexual in nature. Sexual immorality and, and lustful pleasure. And, and let me tell you, uh, the culture that we live in, we know is super saturated with sex. It's everywhere. The, the same was true in the Roman culture as well. They, they actually had, at the time, a set of gods that you would go and have sex with prostitutes in the temple to make, to, as like a an act of worship. That's how twisted things were then. Things are pretty, pretty twisted now, aren't they? I mean, we cannot look anywhere in our culture and have, without some kind of hint of sexuality, everywhere. In fact, if you look at some of the stats that are out there, it's pretty stifling when it comes to this, the world of pornography. Because one of the words here for lustful pleasure, it actually comes, the word pornea, is where we get the word pornography. And if you look at just some of the stats, I don't know if you can see this very well, but uh, 43% of all internet users view pornography. 43%. That means if there's 200 people in this room, 86 people out of the 200 view pornogra pornography on a regular basis. All right? One third of that number are actually they're female. So we always think, well, this is a guy thing. That's not true, folks. Um, and so... 28.6 women in this room are pornography users, and 57.4 are regular guys, are regular porn watchers in this room. What, not in the church? It actually, the stats tell us that, you know what, the, the highest time where, during the year when porn is watched is on Sunday. The least, Thanksgiving. I don't know the connection there, but... Uh, 25% of all searches on the internet are porn-related. 12% of all sites on the web have to do with pornography. I mean, we're saturated in it. It's, it's everywhere. And it's easy to... We need to begin to, to look at our own lives 
This, man, this is a, a reflection of what's going on in the heart. Let, let's just keep going. Um, so obviously there's, some, there's sexual things going on here, but then there's this list of eight things. Now it's easy to say, well, oh, well that's, that's, that's obviously wrong. But let's look at these other words. Hatred, discord, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisions. These are all symptoms of the heart. If these things are in our lives, and, and, and these are the things that were obviously in the lives of the people of, uh, of, Gal- of Galatia, that they're basically, if there's jealousy in your, in your life, divisions, drama, let's just say drama, all right? That's just a word that kind of gets thrown around a lot these days, drama. And uh, someone used to say, if, there's a lot of people always talk about drama, there's drama here, and this person's drama. If, if you're constantly talking about drama, guess who is the source of drama? That would be you, all right? And uh, these are symptoms of what's happening in our heart. Do you always just have, like, division? Do you find yourself angry? Uh, there's, a, there's a story that I heard recently, and, and, and it reminds me of uh, when we go to Colorado. When we go to Colorado, there's beautiful scenery. It's awesome. Uh, and Mr. Ray is really good at this. Uh, he reminds us all the time, that we should be looking for, for trash and for litter, to pick it up and to make the, the, the world a better place for the next people that come behind you. Imagine this, if we were all in Colorado and we go to a stream and we see all this clutter and all this trash in, in a river. Of course, we're there together and we're, you know, we don't want anyone to, well, we need to pick that up, of course, because, you know, everyone's watching me. Uh, so I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pick up this trash. We're, we're going to pick up this trash together. We get it out of the stream and uh, we go in, we get rid of it, we throw it away, we burn it. And uh, we come back the next day, and we go back to the exact same part, spot in the river and uh, realize that there's tons more trash. The, the, the trash is back. How in the world did the trash get back? We could pick it up again, and then we come back the next day, and the trash is there again. Well, finally, we decide, let's, let's, let's investigate a little bit, go up the stream, and realize that there actually is a, a dump spot where people are, are just... Just a trash dump every single day. And, and kind of the, the, the thought on the story is that, you know, you could pick up the trash and it'd be, be gone for a little bit, but if you don't deal with the source, if you don't deal with the heart, the trash is going to keep on coming. These are symptoms, folks. And we, and we keep going down this list and you look at it. The next is, is drunkenness and, and wild parties. Some versions have, have orgies. And, and these are things that are happening. And uh, there's, a, there's a book that I'm reading, and there's a, the word in here, it, idolatry, is mixed in kind of in the middle of that. And Kyle Eidelman has written a book, and he, and he kind of investigates this even more, talking about the gods that are at war inside of us. And he says that, you know, well, maybe we should do a, a spiritual enneagram, where we, we look even deeper into our hearts. And so can we, can we look a little deeper into your heart this morning? A couple of questions, all right, that we can ask. Let me ask you this. What, what disappoints you? Like, what really, really disappoints you in your life? Because, you know, what he says is this, is that, you know what, maybe we have disappropriate disappointment. I mean, maybe that's an indicator that there's something in our heart and our life that we've kind of put in, in, in front of God. Because that's what idolatry is about. It's basically, it's putting other things in, in front of the Lord. Uh, author Erwin Lutzer writes this, have you ever thought that our disappointments are God's way of reminding us that there are idols in our lives that must be dealt with? Another one, 
what do you complain about the most? What are things, or maybe you should ask your friends uh, what you complain about the most because they'll tell you the truth. Uh, is it financial situations? Is it that your team is, is not good enough, your sports team? Maybe those are kind of gods in our life. Um, what, make, what, do you make, what do you make financial sacrifices for? What are the things in your life that you really sacrifice for? May, you know, we, we say it all the time, where your money is, that's where your heart is. What worries you? What are the things that really worry you in your life? Do, do you have just mountains of worry? Is the source of that problem maybe control? That you constantly want control and you don't actually trust God with your life and your future and your family? What's your sanctuary? Where do you run to when you're hurting? Um, there are some times that I run to a, an awesome gallon of bluebell chocolate-covered strawberry ice cream. And, 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 and that's okay sometimes. But there are some escapes that we just have constantly, we go to. And some of these are, are, are sinful. And we've put these things in front of God. What infuriates you? What makes you so, what makes you so mad? And these begin to kind of indicate what's happening in our heart. What's, what's happening in our life. And maybe it tells you right now who's winning this war in your heart. So how do we win this war? How do we win the battle? I mean, how do, I mean we, we talked about fighting. I mean, how, how can we actually beat the sinful nature in our heart? How can we beat this? They're all throughout the passage. It says this. We should follow in step with the Holy Spirit. We should live by the, the, the Spirit. We should keep in step with the Spirit. It's all about this, this Spirit. And the, and the gist of what he's saying is this, that we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to take control, control of our mind. Uh, you know, they talk about in sports that the games are actually one, they're one on the practice field. They're one on, on the practice court where you're, you're beginning to prepare for the, the game itself. And the mind is that place where we begin to, to work out things, and we begin to practice, and we begin to kind of form who we are in, in our mind. And, and the Bible reminds us of that. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 7, it says this, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about the things that please the Spirit. So, let, so letting your sinful nature control your mind it leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind, it leads to life and to peace. Let the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. In another place in Romans 12, 1, it's, it's a familiar place. Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind. What are, we saturating your, what are you saturating your mind with? We live in a culture... That is, is basically, who's the God? Who is God? Who is Lord? It's me. I make the rules. I determine what's right and wrong. I, if, if I don't think that that's right, then it's not. If I think that that's wrong, it's wrong. You get to be your God in, in the world that we live in. That's what we hear everywhere. But that's not the truth. If Jesus is Lord, if God is Lord of your life, then, then he is the source of truth. As Jesus is praying in the garden, just hours before his crucifixion, he was praying for us, his disciples. He was praying for you. And these are his words. Make them holy 
by your truth. He's, he's Jesus speaking to God. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. If you want to win the war, the word of God, the truth, has to be saturated into our mind, and that will filter down to our hearts. This is where truth lies, in, in the word of God. And sometimes we neglect that. We had a great series this last year about getting into God's word. And, and sometimes we just kind of, we see the Bible and we have it off to the side, but is it, is it saturating your life? Is the truth in your heart, your head, and your mind? Because when that happens, God begins to speak even louder. He makes things a lot more clear. He, he shows us things. He gives us discernment. He helps tell us when there's some areas that we need to work on. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to work out our salvation in every area of our life. The Word of God, it's so important if we want to win the battle. The next thing is to, to follow the Holy Spirit's lead. I was, I was, uh, I'm a pretty adventurous guy. I've done a couple of ridiculously crazy things. I've jumped out of an airplane. I've done some cliff diving. Anybody skydive in the room? Anyone ever done that before? Awesome. Very cool. Uh, just skydiving, I've, I've done some rappelling. We did some zip lining at, the, at winter retreats. Uh, most of these things, they, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty mm, tame, scary things. There's something in me that wants to go even to the next level. And I'm kind of battling with this fear a little bit uh, of mountain climbing, actually climbing uh, mountains. Uh, does that make you nervous looking at that? Yeah. All right. well, with these activities, so I kind of was reading a story recently about what it takes to, to climb a, a mountain. You have a guide, of course, someone that's been there before. You have to put on one of those harnesses. Those things are awful. Uh, let me just tell you right now, if you've ever had one, Wedgie City, uh, that's all I'm going to say. All right, you have a, has anybody had, ever worn a harness before? Shake your urge. Okay, you've been there. It, yeah, it happens, right? So you have a harness, and you've got lots of rope, and you've got these things called uh, D-rings seen these before? They're now become keychains everywhere. But you put the D-ring on, we'll just put it over the side, and you've got your harness, and what happens is this, is the, the guide will, you know, you're, you're connected by lots of rope to the guide. The guide begins to, to, to scale the mountain in different areas. And so you're trying to watch and see, okay, he's going, going that way, and okay, puts his foot that way, and, and then he gets to a certain point, and, 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 and something happens. There's not like, from what I read, there's not a lot of verbal things that are happening there. Suddenly, there's just this yank. There's just a yank. And you're like, well, all right, well, that means go. It's time to go. And so he gets to a certain point. He, he, he gets to a place where he's ready for you to come up and then yank. All right, well, after that, when that happens, guess what? You go. <laughs> You, you go and follow the, the, the lead of, of the guide, and then he goes up another 50 feet or so, and guess what happens? Yank. Time to go up again. Goes up another 50 feet or so, yank again. And so you're waiting for this, this pull, and then you go. And something beautiful happens as I read the story is that, you know what? Sometimes people fall. They just fall off the mountain, which is very frightening. Uh, very frightening. They, they can just fall. And in that moment, there's usually about 180 feet of rope. About 180 feet. And so the guide 
in that moment, as soon as he, there's a lack of tension there, and all of a sudden there's like, oh man, there's no one down there anymore. <laughs> he suddenly just like, the job of the guide is to look around and find a rock and just suddenly whoosh, 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 mm, and pull and catch them. And guess what happens after that? <laughs> Another pull. Another tug. Get back on the mountain. Find the spots. Come on, keep going. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. It's that tug. He's tugging at your hearts. And he's saying, come on. There's an area, here's where you go. And he even shows us the way. And, and when our minds are saturated in the Word, the truth becomes clear, and the tugs become even more obvious. You have a choice, though. When that tug comes, you can do this. Tug back. Uh, nope, not coming. <laughs> a little scary. The tugs are there. Are, are we saying yes when those tugs are happening in your life? When the Holy Spirit is guiding you? Because the scary thing is, I think sometimes the Holy Spirit tugs us and our fear gets in the way. Our fear gets in the way. Or maybe you get to the point where you're just like, you know what, it's not even worth it. There are areas of our life, maybe you've, maybe you've given up on this morning. You've said, you know what, I'm, I'm human. I mean, everyone does it. Is, really, is this this big of a deal? I mean, no one's perfect. God wants to work out this salvation. He's calling us to be holy as he is holy. He, he's calling us to be like him, to follow him. The line is drawn in the sand. And some of you guys have made this decision to, to follow Jesus. Don't compromise. Don't compromise in areas of your life. It will destroy you. It will kill you. Sin is not something to be messed with. Follow the Spirit's lead. Listen to His Word and the truth that comes in that. And then lastly, can I just tell you this? He wants you to fight. He wants you to fight. There are some things that I've heard maybe through my life, and, and this isn't bad to say, you know, we're just, we, we want to give everything to God. He does, but this, this the idea that, you know what, I'm just going to stand here and uh, God's going to climb, the Holy Spirit's going to climb the mountain for me. No, you have to climb yourself. You have to do the work. There is a fight going on here, and he wants you to fight. There are things that you've given up on, maybe, and just basically said, I, 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 it's, it's not, forget it, I just, I'm, I'm human, okay? Fight. There's a great scene, and uh, we're not going to play it, but in The Lord of the Rings, there's a scene where Aragon he, he's, he, they're, they're basically in front of this huge, dark army of nasty people again. And uh, he looks in the eyes of the people, and they're scared. They, they basically see the enemy, and they say, you know what, what's the point? I mean, we're going we're gonna to die here. He looks in their eyes, and he, see, and he says this, I see the fear in your eyes, and it's the same fear that I have struggled with. But maybe... There, be, there might be a day when the courage of men will fail, but that day is not today. That day is not today. There may be a day that our, the bonds of friendship and fellowship are broken, but that is not happening right now. And that is the attitude that God has called us to as we look sin in the eye and say, no, 
not going to happen. I'm fighting for this. I'm fighting for my family. I'm fighting for my relationship with you. I'm fighting, and that's what God has called us to, to fight, to fight against the sinful nature in us. The very first verse of Galatians is, is this. Of Galatians chapter 5, Christ has set us free. He has set us free, so stand firm. Stand firm. Don't let the chains of slavery hold you again. There is freedom in Christ. There is grace in Christ, and he wants us to be free from our enemies. He wants us to have victory, and he wants to give you victory in your life. The lyrics of this song just talks about that battle that rages on. Matt just said, let's, let's sing about who fights for.